world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers Podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. Hey everyone, welcome to the all-new Oil & Gas Digital Doers Podcast, brought to you by the good people at Topcoder. Right here on the Oil & Gas Network, this is a brand new one. Well, when you're hearing this episode, you're probably hearing, maybe, maybe you're hearing number three or four or five. We're going we're gonna to put these all out in a batch, so there'll be plenty for you to listen to. Um, if you tuned into our Here and Now uh, live stream event a few weeks ago, which was also a live, live event, uh, we announced a bunch of new programs, new live streams, new podcasts. This is one of those, and we're teaming up with the folks at Topcoder on this and uh, and we appreciate them paying the bills and because uh, we love our sponsors at OGGM because without them there is no us there really is no us so um, if you don't know about Topcoder then this is your opportunity actually um, I've been learning about Topcoder myself and they uh, they are the pioneer in something called open talent models so if you're not familiar with what is an open talent model um, you're in luck because we had Clinton Bonner, who's a, who's a vice president at Topcoder. He he did episode number one with us for this uh, for this podcast. So just go back to episode number one, listen to Clinton, and you will find out how compelling that is. You can also check them out at Topcoder.com. So uh, today, that's enough. No more no more uh, no more uh, uh, amusing anecdotes for today. We're going to jump right into it. And I'm sitting here today with our with now you've become a good. I used to say you you were my good friend, but now you're also a good friend of OGGN, Mr. Ration Toolsy. Hey, Mike. Um, and thanks for thanks for showing up again. Like I feel like we're like you're doing podcasts, you're doing live streams, um, and and you don't, and you manage to not say the same thing every time. I'll try. I mean, I have a whole recipe of things to say. It's yeah. <laughs> good. Excellent. So, um, and we are here. I, I forgot to mention we're here at the fabulous Cannon on the west side of Houston, where um, there are. It's it's this is, if you've never been here, it's a cool place. There are people working here. Maybe you should be working here. It's easy. Uh, you sign up. You show up. And um, and so if you're if you're tired of like <laughs> your dog staring at you while you're trying to work, or uh, you know the blowers, the, the the yard blowers, right, that we have that go off every afternoon, um, you can come here to the cannon and uh, have a really cool place to work. Okay, so this podcast, uh, Ration and I were just sitting here chatting about this. Um, while I was getting all my stuff set up. And uh, so this whole series is about, is a little bit of a departure from, you know, I have this other podcast, The Tech, The Only Guys Tech Show, and we, we really focus mostly on the technology itself in that podcast. And you've, you've done that with us. And, um, and, but we also know that, um, that we want to start, we, the, the industry has been at this digital transformation thing for a little while, and uh, we should be making progress. And maybe some people think we're not making progress, but it turns out we are. And so we want to use this show to highlight how are we making progress, who's, what's working, what's not working, um, and how do, you, how do you basically move the ball down the field in this whole digital transformation thing. So... Um, so that so that's the purpose of the series. Cool. So today, what do you want to talk about? Let's what why don't we why don't we talk about the story of well maybe I should for those who haven't heard you on all the other things that you've done, um, little background like uh, you, you, now you're with Databricks, but you were a longtime Schlumberger guy. 
Um, what else did, should people know about you? Uh, I like uh, photography. Uh, I like drones. Mike gives me, gives me a hard time because I have the word samurai on my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> I spent, yeah, that, that part is actually a little true. You are a real, I saw a picture yeah, of you in the samurai. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I'm uh, not open for challenges. So, yeah, you know, it's it's because of COVID. I can't face a, another samurai face to face for a long time. That's the, <laughs> because that's the that's the only reason why. Because that's the danger, right? That is yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. Because yes. okay. you know you you'll be less than six feet apart with yeah, two, with two swords, and you're not. And it's and it's the virus part you're worried about, Sorry, not, yeah. not the yeah. swords. Although the technically, if the you swords wear the, are not a if problem. If you wear the full armor, you have a mask on, so that just you know, well, then you're safe. And you're safe. Yeah, you're, you're safe. good. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so you have this really cool. Um, uh, yeah, you have you have all kinds of interesting things in your background. But one of the things that I think is relevant to the story that we want to tell today is. Um, that like especially all the years that you were with Schlumberger, you were like right in the heart of watching people try to watching your own company Schlumberger plus other customers try to move this thing forward. Now you're with now you're with Databricks. You're also you're working with customers, maybe in a little bit fo more focused way. But you have lots of observations, I think. Yeah. That's so right, yeah. let's let's look at some of those observations. Like starting with like the the beginning of when you first saw people trying to really do this digital transformation thing. Yeah, so, you know, even with uh, working with a service provider like Schlumberger, uh, you know, which is a huge, you know, a large, you know, international company, uh, lots of moving pieces, you know, so half of it really is an internal uh, realization that something has to change, right? So you, you can't really go out and talk to customers until you internally process that you need to make some changes here and then you can have some systems in place and some processes in place to actually go out and right, customers, right? right? Uh, and, and we saw that happening across the industry. I think, I think in the last maybe like five to five years, digital transformation, like real digital transformation, meaningful digital transformation, mm -hmm. really took off. And uh, we have seen people that are more successful, customers that are more successful, and customers who, uh, who have had some challenges. The, the doers and the not doers. Doers and, and yeah. the ones who are, who yeah. are yet to be doers. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, right? There yeah. will be doers. And, and you know, now I work for uh, a company called Databricks, which is uh, a tech company, and it's uh, it's growing really well. It's, it's doing pretty well. It's a really, really focus on <clears throat> on open technology and its data platform. Very interesting place to, to work. And then you you know you engage with the multiple industries, not just oil and gas. And you see similar similar trends between these multiple industries. Right. Uh, but you know, my heart is still in oil and gas, so I, I still try and help out there as much as I can, and uh, and you know, and try and help even the energy customers, which is utilities and sure. renewables, right? Because right. now all those industries are linked together. They and are. So, yeah. They are. So um, yeah, we it's it's been an interesting. Um, you know, just the progression of things. I remember it just doesn't seem like it wasn't that long ago that certain um, leaders, even you know, just certain certain leaders within oil and gas companies were saying things like, "Digital transformation sounds like the latest trick to get me to spend more money or to give IT more budget or or something like that." Right? Yeah, I mean, it was that was not. Uh, not long ago. Not not that uh, long ago, right? And there was, I mean, in any organization, there's always people in that organization that thinks about how to move the needle forward, and that's important. They don't necessarily uh, do it, but that's okay too. They have to create an enough internal pressure to do so. But ultimately, it'll be uh, market demand, customers, and then basically society right. that'll drive that those companies to change. It has to, right? And and, and in fact, I I think that one of the main instigators in taking digital seriously. Um, as we currently understand it, keeping in mind that all the computing we've ever done has been digital for the most yeah. part, right? <laughs> but but um, 
you know, is that that 2014 downturn came out of that. Um, I, I think surviving the 2014 downturn, most companies relied on their traditional methods of t- belt tightening and and streamlining and reducing costs. Yes, and that like, was like what I would call the mechanical methods of doing that, right? I think anyone that was in energy that uh, was still employed after twenty four after twenty sixteen. Yeah, I think 2014 we saw. Actually, 2014 was a pretty good. The it was end the of, end of 2014. Yeah, it was the end of yes, it was exactly. Q4 when all of yeah, a sudden it was sudden fan, it fantastic. Went off the cliff, Everyone right? was, pop, was popping champagne. It was uh, yeah, a good time. Yeah. Uh, so the pain was, was really in 2015. Yeah, it was actually yeah. it started. Um, uh, you know, it started around the end of 20, 2014, and uh, uh, I think I was actually traveling for work. Actually, I was actually traveling around. I was in Asia, and then I was in the Middle East, and then I came back to North America for work, and. And actually, unfortunately, wherever I went, I felt like the Grim Reaper because wherever I went, we saw like a decline in, you know, operations, and then we saw, yeah, you know, unfortunately, yeah. you know, people were losing jobs. And it was you. You were the you were the problem. Probably me. Exactly. Right, yeah. exactly. So it actually, you know, it didn't hit North America until really 2016. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. That's when we saw, you know, the, fair the, enough. Yeah, the worst, that's probably. Yeah, that's when it was of, really. Yeah. Of, of what we were when doing. All the hard decisions were being made. Right? Pretty hard decisions, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and no one really wants to lay people off. And so, yes, you're right. It was the that conservative thinking around you know cost control uh, in the industry that you know prompted some digital transformation. Right. However, I still think that you know the events of 20, uh, 2020, you know, uh, COVID was this horrible, horrible thing that happened to the world, but it's also an um, an accelerator for digital ideas, right? and right. it forced people in situations because most people went into remote working, yep. but operations still had to continue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we went through, I think, like a month of uh, a slump, I think, where people did, didn't know what to didn't do. Didn't know what to do, right? Right, globally. But it wasn't, it, w- it wasn't that long, though. It, it no. sort of, it, it sort of proved the point that we knew how to do this all along, yeah. right, without too much difficulty. Um, we just needed something to force us to do. I mean, inertia was... Cor- correct, yes. There was, there was that. And then what we saw around the middle of 2020, we saw a massive adoption of uh, digit, remote working opportunities and remote working, uh, uh, all those things that were possible before, before because yeah, exactly. of, because of security and 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 all, and all the same. And then we just threw caution to the wind. And, we and this said is where your naysayers in these organizations. Yeah. Uh, well, two things were also happening at the same time. A lot of them were approaching retirement age, and they were often enjoying you know fantastic retirement careers. Sure. So there was some new uh, new way of thinking about challenges coming in. It was uh, also the tech industry. The tech industry decided to uh, invest heavily in energy, and yep, we're seeing yep. it now. In fact, it's sure. ramping up exponentially yep. now. So that that kind of relationship uh, grew, and partnerships grew. So thinking and opportunity and society pulled the energy industry in a digital direction. Yeah, right. And the fact that people had to still run operations remotely, and they realized that all their data was still stored in silos in some places, and wasn't possible. We're always shocked when we find that out. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you don't really know. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like uh, everyone has these like fantastic ideas on, on how to do things, but you suddenly realize, oh, I don't have access to you yeah. know uh, some field data. I don't yeah. have access to that. I can't actually do that. I can't send them. So right. those things, and we're seeing those changes coming in now. So that's that's really where it is. And then what we're finding is now that we know where the problems are, how do we solve them? And the challenge yeah. there is. Uh, if you still solve them in a monolithic way and you're very concerned about, uh, you know, sharing information, even internally, forget externally, uh, those organizations don't succeed because they can't scale and they can't grow and they will f- fundamentally revert to their 
2014 way of uh, existing. Right, right? Right, so they'll do pretty well for themselves. Yeah. But then over time, they'll basically uh, de- they'll have a decline yeah. curve, right? They, uh, and and that's it, right? Um, and I think like uh, MIT did this like study into like four types of successful companies and. You know, companies that actually have these like multiple verticals for success are ones that have uh, horizontal access across all the verticals. Right? So you have like you know sure. uh, yeah. a pretty 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 consistent R and D company that, and you have this vertical across across all those usually do more successful. The ones that are still very conservative in their uh, growth, they can do well, but they'll only see like incremental growth, and then eventually that'll decline. Yeah, over yeah, time. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Right. So. so yeah, so we're so we're learning all those things, and and I I think though that people are, most people are most companies most leadership are on board. Like the culture has swung in the direction of yes, we need to be doing this, but well, but not everybody was off to a running start. So, um, uh, and and not everybody really knew what to do, and so some mistakes were made, right? And we were, we talked about this earlier, but like one of the mistakes was like maybe taking certain people and putting them in charge of things that they didn't have the, I mean, you saw some of that, right? Where, where all of a sudden there's this new domain called the digital thing and there's supposed to be a roadmap and there's supposed to be right. And, and you take some, some guy who was a, like a sub C engineer and like, like, like you're now in charge of digital for sub C. And and a lot of that had to do with, uh, I think the way that, uh, Seniority and promotions worked in uh, multiple organizations, you know, yeah, across sure. across across the industry. Right. right, is that normally people would uh, they'd have a linear path for growth. Right, they usually came from a heavy petroleum background or you yeah. know like a subsea engineer, and uh, they would move into management and they would have some technical background and some operational background and they would right. move into senior leadership roles. And, yeah, and that's really what they did when they when digital technology came. Right? Sure, and, and they perfectly competent. Somebody people. had to lead it. Someone right. had to lead it. Right, right? and so. who do you hire? You hire someone that's very familiar with the domain and. and um, those don't necessarily produce the best results because digital itself is not a, uh, it, it's a discipline by itself. It is. To understand it, it, it across the organization. Right. right. So, right. Uh, but then, like I said, as, as tech, as the tech industry started percolating into the oil and gas industry, we saw this relationship and we saw retraining of people and that's, mm-hmm. and I strongly encourage that. Well, and there's, and there's a lot of that happening now also. I mean, we talk about how the industry is in transition in various ways. The one that gets all the all the press coverage is transitioning to new energy, right? That's the one that gets the spotlight. Yes, that's but we, right. Yeah. But we're transitioning in a lot of ways that maybe isn't so that, that insiders see happening, right? In terms of, in terms of the core business and the roles right. and, that are required. And we get people. I I actually occasionally get people, you know, like on LinkedIn that will send me a message, and they're saying, I, you know, I've been a geophysicist for an oil company for a long or I've been, you know, whatever it is. And I, I think I need to like retool myself to something else. And they're looking at like, what should I like, like what's the best thing to to align with and what should I start spending my time learning? And and so in in fact, I, I I think around 2019, I had a conversation with a geophysicist from an operator and uh, he was, he was very concerned, you know, he was a very talented geophysicist, uh, but he was really concerned about how, uh, whether, you know, AI would, replace him and he was concerned about you know uh, uh, would he still be a functional uh, performant employee because he was once very they were well rewarded they were very necessary mm-hmm. and the answer is uh, yes he's going to have to retrain himself and so he decided to you know learn some data science right? Yep, yep. and really what he became was someone that was very very important to the organization because 
his core background was still in you know seismic exploration. Right. So he was still a, you know a, a domain expert, expert, and that helped him uh, make better decisions with data science. Right. Because sure. if you have a pure data scientist come in, they'll just look at the data, and the subject matter may not be as relevant to them because there is there is something about you know uh, you know all all the all science all domains are, there's human instinct that's involved in that. Which can't be yeah. can't be really replaced, right? and that's right. uh, that gut feeling you get on like to make certain risky decisions. AI cannot really contemplate right now. No, and you do need that, right? Because yeah, if you I don't, it, and yeah. I don't know if we want AI to. I mean, no, I, get, no, no, I no. guess it'll get there eventually. So what will happen but, is yeah. you know whatever model you run in AI, it'll probably give you it'll give you an answer, a probability. And what right. you still need is you need that geophysicist uh, working in collaboration with potentially a reservoir engineer or a production engineer. Right. So suddenly you have two or three uh, different uh, domains looking at the same probability, and th- those three can probably make a decision on you know explore, do some production, some injection, yeah. or abandon whether it's economically uh, viable or not. And, right. And right. So right. We what we what I I'm seeing is um, uh, you know um, these engineers that actually have these skill sets. They become very powerful once they start adding in, uh, like scripting, coding, data science. You don't have to be a, you know, fully well-trained data scientist unless you want to. It's a right. pretty good field, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we seeing that now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if you just learn some basics, then all of a sudden you can become valuable to your company. I mean, like everything, right? If you, way, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The basics are good, but if you, but but also remember, um, these professionally trained engineers, you know, they usually have pretty good. Uh, heavy backgrounds in science and mathematics. Yeah, well, so they, the they can retrain it themselves. It shouldn't be that difficult, right? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about, so if you if you made it through school and your career as a, as a geophysicist or a petroleum engineer, yeah. the idea that you need to learn some, some R programming for analytics or whatever, I don't know what the cool kids are using these days, right? But, yeah, it's Python but and Python uh, R. And and like, yeah, it, like, that's not a huge, that's not a heavy lift, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not to underestimate. FYI, data scientist, it's not to underestimate your job. A fantastic. <laughs> no, but you're, you're taking somebody yeah. who's already coming from a highly technical mathematical background, right? So they would be a natural and fit for this. Yes. Exactly. Right. And, and the same with coding. Like, I think uh, these domain expertise, they'll make fantastic coders, right? Yeah. It's the analytic thinking and the forward thinking, but right, also right. it's always that domain part, right? Because I, I, I worked in software engineering for a long time. I didn't really come from a petroleum background. I came from gaming and medical di- diagnostics. And it I was very excited to learn the seismic back the domain. Yeah, yeah, right, sure. Because it was interesting. Yeah. It, I was never really a seismic engineer, uh, but I, I often found the seismic engineers that started coding were could be more successful in writing yeah, good yeah. applications. Yeah. Interesting. So, so, uh, so coming back to the to the main track here, one of the one of the recipe or one of the ingredients in this recipe for for being successful in the doing is to get the right, uh, to get the right people, um, you know, to, to get people aligned to the, the new vision and the new things and get the right people doing the right things. And, yeah. and, and, and it's not, it's not a question of just taking everybody like, like, like all these people aren't going away and you're not bringing new people in. Right. So that, that's one of it. Uh, the other one is within the organization itself, you, we're seeing these new roles being created that, Actually, have real leadership and yeah, uh, yeah, influence, sure, like sure. CD, like you know, these chief data officers. Right. Right. I mean, they existed in the past. The Some C- didn't exist. The C-suite is growing. Yeah, the C-suite is growing. Right. Massive. Yeah. You're going to need like like the canon is going to be where you're going to have to house all the all the. Yeah. The so about C-level the canon, I'm going to give a, a a shout out to the canon because I'm sitting here, you know, as as Mike took his breaks, and I was just thinking like, you know, I don't mind coming to work here every now and again because. 
it does separate you know uh, church and state a little bit because yes, it we've does. Been, I've been at home in my home office for right, yeah. like most people for over a year. Yeah, and it's just, it's a nice place to kind of just work. It is yeah. nice, and it's it's uh, yeah, it's just designed really well. There's some nice outdoor areas that you can go sit yeah, in. It's a pretty and, cool place. Yeah. Um, and there's a bar next door, which is never yeah, it's never a bad uh, thing. Never exactly. a bad thing. Yeah, exactly. So, um, let, so we talked about the people part of it. Yeah. Um, what what about um, um, you mentioned something before when we were when we were chatting about. Um, kind of speaking of separating church and state kind of like abstracting certain elements of the work away so that companies can really focus on the domain yeah so that kind of goes back to like what we were talking about how do you cross train and uh, like if you make a geophysicist into a data scientist it it would take years for either one of them to be an expert in both Mm -hmm. sure so if you have time and you have uh, opportunity you know have at it you know enjoy yourself and that'd be fantastic sure but you know, we, we, it may, may not be necessary on everyone's plate right now. So uh, what we're seeing is that uh, s- most organizations still keep the people that they have when they should. You know, they, they should try and retrain them and keep them as long as possible. Uh, but they still have challenges around like data engineering, right? So uh, while their focus is on, you know, building these uh, models in data science and focusing on their domain, they also struggle with like, okay, well, how do I how do I build a pipeline to get this data, and how to build a pipeline to get that? Right. And like groups and companies that I worked with in my new new job, what we've seen is a common thread is when you improve that collaboration between these multiple uh, groups of people within a client organization, uh, collaboration increases and then performance increases, right? And you take away some of that, and a lot of that has to do with uh, one is you know liberating data, giving them like a open platform uh, like a like the lake house is a good example right so it's abstracted it's a uh, you know it's cloud agnostic and all your data is in one place so they can mm-hmm. focus on that um, and a lot of it is we, we do a lot of heavy, heavy lifting on um, where the data will reside yeah. so you can just focus on your science on your expertise mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about how to patch things together right I, right you right. know I mean the most basic example is if you you want to drive a car, you just want to get, like now, you don't have to worry too much about it. You get behind your car, you can actually, you know, make sure it's filled up and drive it. Right. Right. But, so, right, so you make a good point, which is, um, it may not be practical to retrain everybody into everything that you need. It may not be possible and practical. And, and, and by the way, do we really need, I mean, so there's this long cultural sort of bias toward, we do every, we do everything in-house ourselves right. not not that plenty of money hasn't been spent with consulting companies and all the rest but but um, but a lot of companies have been reluctant to have critical skills that just simply do not reside within their organization and they and they rely on somebody else for that but um, but that so that's a new way of working but it does you know but but the question is like why do we need is 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 the how to build a data pipeline really um, part of our competitive advantage as an operator, right? Like, like it's not. No, <laughs> I don't think so. It's not. It's right? not. Right? It's it's and, a cost. And or is it something that if we had somebody from the outside working on, do we worry that they're going to share our secrets with some other project that they're working on for somebody else, right? Yes. That and, is a, that's a legitimate concern, and and that's not endemic only to oil and gas. That's like most organizations, right? Right. right. Yeah. So so those are, the, but nonetheless, there's no budget to ramp up a huge recruiting exercise 
to bring in all the people that that we that we need, right? I mean, there's an old like you know adage, right? Like, why reinvent the wheel? You know, when you actually have the whole cart. Right. So, <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. and like to go back to your statement, like you know, are we afraid? Uh, are would would you know customers be afraid that we would share secret? And the answer is absolutely not. No, I mean, no successful company shares you know client confidential information. That would be a disastrous uh, scenario. You know, and right. we shouldn't be doing that, right? But if the platform you're sharing is open, everyone has a look at it. Right. Right. So we're not sh- we're not sharing your data, but the platform is open. Right. This is something that um, I've heard. You can see the mechanics behind it, you, but you won't see you right. know, the other data. And I, I've heard Johan Krebers preach about this uh, with, with regard to OSDU. He said, he said, you know, our data is maybe proprietary or competitive. Our sure? data is competitive. Yes. But the way we store the data and interact with the data is not competitive. Not, yes. And we should all do that. And we should all like build a better future together in the way. Right. And, and so that's the, that. Uh, that is what we were also seeing. And this is not, this is pre-COVID, but this was 2017, 2016, we saw collaboration, even amongst competitors. Because what they realized was, well, I mean, yes, we, we still can compete, but we can c- compete better if we collaborate a little bit on joint. Well, project. yeah, you, lo- you level the playing field on certain things yes. and then everybody gets the, the part that you really are competitive on, you really get to, Focus on that, and that's where you shine, right? Exactly. And so, yeah. yeah, so, yeah uh, but there are still some organizations, and and this could be, uh, they could be, you know, mitigating reasons as to why some organizations want to build everything from scratch and build it in house. Those organizations don't necessarily do as well as organizations that you know adopt an open existing technology. Yeah, and so that so that's like. That's the bottom line, really, right? Is you can be philosophical about this all you want, but the yeah. fact is, you can look out and you can say, these guys are moving forward, and they're moving forward because they didn't cling to those to some of those ideas, right? Exactly. And yeah, yeah. and somebody over here is not moving forward, and I don't know if it's first cause or second cause or, or cause or third. But the fact is, you know, you can you can observe it happening in the yeah. in the industry. Exactly. Uh, I mean, there's there's examples of that. Uh, you know, we we um, there was a I mean, I can't give too much away, but yeah. sure, yeah. yeah. But yeah, but there are some there are some examples some, of yeah, yeah, yeah. companies that actually do much better right. with the open. Just technology. trust us; yeah. it's true, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Well, there's another little interesting nuance, though, which in the you know, let's all work together to compete better. I think we're we've reached a point where, in terms of competing, where companies are within oil and gas are not only competing with each other and their traditional competitors. The industry, as an industry, is competing to, to, to be profitable and sustainable and, and kind of and exist as an industry. Yes. And, not, and even if you leave out the pressure about, about, about new energy and old energy and all that, it, but just, just the financial conditions, right, are saying, like, as an industry, if you don't figure out a way to be a more competitive ecosystem, like, you, you're not going to make it because because the economics just begin to break down. Correct, correct. And, and if you look back at energy, even if you remove the renewables or the energy in transition that's coming out and emerging, if, assume those challenges didn't exist, right, just, just the sheer, just the sheer operational cost and economic cost of running that industry unsuccessfully will be will result in failure yeah yeah right? sure. and yeah and that will result in ultimately you know a decline in the global oil supply right yeah we, we saw this with Suez, right i mean it was um 
the, the ship actually caused something like within two days a decline of 11% of the world's oil uh, supply. Yeah. That was just one, yeah, yeah. one um, you know, in, insane incident right. that happened. And we saw, you know, gas prices, you know, rise all across the, the, the U.S. Yeah. Right? As a yeah. consequence, right? It, so it, could you imagine like multiple, multiple organizations around the world unable to hit their targets for delivery uh, over, over months? Staggering, right. right? You know, so this is interesting, too, because what we're getting into here is um, one element of success for digital transformation or whatever you know you, you prefer to call it um one element of success is you really have to like the like the time when you could just do projects computing projects it projects whatever sort of like without really understanding what's happening with the business and the industry like you could just say like you know we need a new storage network Right. And so you could go like deploy, you could go shop and design and deploy a new storage network. Or you could say, we need a software application to manage our AFE process. And you could design that. And a lot of those things you could do within your that domain oh. without really understanding what's happening at a high level in the industry, what's happening strategically for your company. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that I, th I feel like yeah. like you can't be successful in digital without marrying those worlds, right? And having that Yeah, so this is where it gets more interesting. That word digital gets thrown around a lot. And actually, it's, it, it's not. I, I still think digital itself should be its own domain expertise versus just something that's part of an organization, right? You know, right. So, like, in the past, we used to have software engineers that used to be called software engineers. They would usually sit in these, like, tech center offices around the world. And they could, you're right, they could put us in the room uh, somewhere and we'd, build some code and get really deep into the, the weeds of, of what you're trying to build without truly really understanding the actual domain itself. And you could be very successful. In that. Absolutely. And, and right. those were successful Because somebody told you what you, they needed and you coded yeah, it. Yeah, someone gives right. you requirements, yeah. you right. go and build right. it and you can right. outsource it and you can build it in-house and you could do uh, pretty well for yourself. But all of that's changed. Now, software engineers have, you know, uh, they those roles have been, you know, transformed into multiple various roles that has... Software, digital, scripting, coding, part of it, and, and domain. Right? Yeah, so right, uh, right. there's uh, risk and reward in, in all of these things. You're given more exposure to yourself. You get to see clients more. The problems clients are now facing always seem to require some software, some digital input. Yeah. And, and it, so an interesting thing, too, is that the, 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 the work involved with producing software solutions um, today producing them, deploying them, integrating them, all the things that you need. Like, it's way easier now with all the, the frameworks and the capabilities. Like, yes. compared, to, compared to even just 10 years ago when, um, you know, these things were really big undertakings and you really had to plan it out to make sure that you didn't get yourself in a corner because you didn't think about building this thing before you built that thing or these things aren't going to integrate, and, right? Like, like, we can move, like, it's very fast. You can do things very fast. But... We also have um, like the the dynamics related to how fast do I like time to value and um, like we don't have the luxury of planning out a project for sixteen months and going off and and delivering it and at the end saying ta da here's that thing you've been wanting right it has to um, it's it's the delivering I guess what I'm getting at is delivering the software has gotten easier but. But the complexity of delivering it quickly in fast generations that are tightly integrated with the business that can be rapidly adopted by people and see value, right? Like that part has gotten 
I don't know if harder is the right word, but, it, it, but it's, it's more challenging. And the reason yeah. is because the, like I said earlier, the risks and rewards have increased. Right. So in the past, when you were isolated in a safe, you know, tech bubble building software, it could fail several times. You could run iterations. You had several sure. months to a year to deliver yeah. it, and you could run it. But once you integrate with live operations, you know, there's some critical critical factors you need to hit. So quality goes up uh, to a point where you can't afford any failure. And the fast attempt to delivery also increases, right? So you need to produce something uh, fast. Yeah. Uh, usually it's smaller because you can't do too large deployments because you don't you don't want to break things down the road. Right. Um, and then it changes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like your your delivery never ends. It's just every psych every yeah. few weeks you're pushing out something new, and that's okay. And you have to react to it. But we have frameworks in place that allow us to grow easily. And the main thing is, and this is what's really important, is. Everyone wanted to do this 10 years ago. It wasn't possible, not because of lack of insight or vision, it's just the technology for like cloud-based industries on IoT didn't exist. The cost of it is it decreased uh, exponentially sure. in the last right. five years. Yeah. Right? I mean, and, and storage. Right? So right. in the past, you know, storage was something very expensive. And yeah, the whole yeah. infrastructure the infrastructure is, is just completely different completely now. Different yeah. now. Yeah. It, to, to, our, to our benefit. Right, yeah, exactly. yes. Right? So suddenly... Uh, Massive amounts of communication is possible. You can do remote operations. You can do remote storage. Uh, your device, like if you're working on a desktop somewhere, if it crashes, it's not the end of the world. You can literally just start up on another device anywhere you want to and continue right. working the same yeah. minute. Right? And those right. things didn't exist before. Yeah, no, it's right. So a lot of that actually has changed. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's a lot. Um, but so then the complexity of, like the, of that also increases, right? right. Because now you have to then manage... Uh, uh, intrusion, cybersecurity, the, all of that is... Uh, all that, you got all of that coming in, right? I mean, these are all the things that we, um, you know, on the on the tech podcast, on the Early Guys Tech Podcast, we we iterate through those things on a regular basis, right? Yes. Those are the those are the areas where people are focusing um, um, on, on where the new innovations need to be and, right. and yes. making that stuff work. So so this is good. You know, it's funny. Um, I said this, um, I said this on, I think it was on the one of the live stream events that, that you were on, where I said, and I think maybe it was the one where where where, where Kayla was there too, and 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 I said, you know, it doesn't matter what topic we tackle, we always come around, like it, it, whatever topic in this industry you're talking about digital, we always come around to two things, which is the people and the data, and yes. and that's why it should and, be. About. And we did that again today. Yes. So um, that's exactly what it should be. We should be focusing on the people that deliver it, and how do you empower them to deliver more? Right. right? Which is which is I think as employees. And as vendors and service providers, of, as technologists, our role is to ensure that uh, humans will always have something to do in the digital world. Right. Whatever that could be. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's interesting because um, that it, it's such a different approach from, I think we get preoccupied with, well, so what should my multi-cloud strategy look like, right? Or yeah. what, you know, all of these... Um, uh, and some of those things are, are are hard. You know, you really you want to be careful to not make the wrong decision, right? Or correct, yes. But yeah. but getting the people right is is and get not just not just the specific people, but the whole approach to people and the like the I guess I would say the people model, right? Or the people architecture. Maybe that's the right. Maybe that's well, the right you, you want to get the right people. I mean, this is for anything in life. You want to get the right people in place only because. With the right people in place that are trained, they can react to things that don't work out faster. Yeah, that's really it. That that's 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 right. That's good. That is probably a good place to. I'm looking at the time here, and I know we're we're reaching that magic window where people might stop listening. So, um, 
any uh um i i usually always say how do people find out more um you know so any 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 final thoughts or or anything particular that you're working on with databricks that it would be interesting to point people to or or any and there's not any upcoming samurai matches or anything like that uh, hopefully so not is it, do you soon. call it a match is it a, is it what is it well it's a duel it's a duel that's just not going to end well for anyone especially me yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so so um yeah. yeah well you're not you're definitely you don't you don't have you don't have the energy now but um uh so we'll put we'll put a link to your uh your linkedin profile yeah, sure. on yeah. i think and, just, and I mean, databricks yeah. and uh yeah I think there's interesting stuff that's happening in the industry. Uh, it's certainly, I always keep saying this, it's certainly an exciting time to be part of it, right? Especially with like what's happening with uh, energy and transition, right? And and I think, you know, there's also a lot of like political ramifications to this, this, this topic and I don't really want to get into that too much. But I think the statement should be, and, and people have kind of agreed on this, is there's no real war on oil and gas. It's more the war on like emissions. That's really what it's about, right? So. Yeah. Right. And, and that's right. Right. You know, like energy companies are transforming and they're diversifying from traditional oil and gas. But the reason they're doing it is because there's other opportunities in other industries. So they're still keeping the same people. Yeah. They're still ramping up. Right. In other industries. And that's well, okay too. Right. And it's like something that I always like to say, which is that um, if, you're, if, if you're looking to solve the problem of powering the world some new way, why not ask the people who figured out how to solve the problem the first time? Right, yes. because they, because they, because besides all the the cool new things about what, how exactly do we work with hydrogen or what have you, the big problems are how do you scale and operate and like solving the problem of energy for the world isn't just about like the the form of energy, right? It's 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 how to actually bring that. Um, I mean, to, yeah. you know, on that on that topic, there's these examples where there's these like flotillas of like wind farms. Mm -hmm. Um, so how do you build a flotilla of wind farms that can a survive, you know, marine conditions, still be f performing without actually breaking down too much, and still you know have a distance to the shoreline and right. to produce you know something effectively? Right. Well, who's going to go out and build that? It's actually right. pl platform engineers that came from oil and gas. Yeah. The, so that's the point: is this industry is full of people who have solved similar problems with similar complexities yeah. and constraints and obstacles, and they're perfectly suited to it. So. Excellent. So that's a good place. We'll, we'll end there. We'll end there. Yeah. And uh, um, and maybe we'll come back and 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 when you have some examples of people that you can talk about who have had wild success, um, then we can we can come back and and do that at some point. Um, I got it. Just to, so thanks for You're thanks for Anytime. coming on down to the uh, sure, to the cannon. I got a few more things to wrap up here, and then and then uh, we'll be on our way. Uh, Another shout out real quick to our sponsor, Top Coder. Really appreciate them. Um, and uh, if you look on their website, it says something like, execute your digital work with incredible speed and incredible talent. So if you're curious what that means, you definitely need to check out Top Coder. We love having them as a sponsor. Also, I uh, want to remind everybody to uh, go check out our street team. The OGGN street team is is doing their thing. There's a lot going on there. Um, it's, it's, under, it's under new leadership and uh, by, uh, by a gentleman named Brian Mon, who I like to refer to as the ever sleepless and hungry Brian Mon. So if you look at his LinkedIn profile, you'll find out why I, why I call him that. But you can also find the street team LinkedIn group. You can join up. You can do something good. Uh, it's fun. It's 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 just a great thing. Also, you can connect with OGGN on our website, which coincidentally is OGGN.com. And you can find out about all the things we got going on, the new events, the new shows. You can get on the mailing list, all that good stuff. Um, also, we can this is um, this is kind of a new 
thing that we've been talking about, but um, we these podcasts are mobile. So if you want to bring the magic of this podcast or any other podcast to your uh, next, you know, uh, uh, corporate event or family picnic or whatever it is that you think you want to liven up and make it a little bit more interesting. We can actually do a podcast wherever you are. So get in touch about that. As always, I got to thank our audio wizard, Mr. Emmett Fickich in the faraway land of Bosnia, because he makes us all sound great for all of the OGDM podcasts. And that will do it for today. The next sound you hear will be that of Savannah telling you about the events on deck. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for April 2021. This month we have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our in-person event, which is the Spring Pitch Party focused on clean tech. It'll be hosted at the Canon on April 6th. Next, we have our two online events, the University of Houston PES Career Fair on April 8th and the CSPG GeoWomen eTalk on April 20th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com for more information about any of the live streams or events we have coming up. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for April. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Come back next week for yet another exhilarating expedition into the very real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.